and welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network, and we begin with a story. I mean, it's hard not to turn on the TV, the radio, pick up a newspaper, magazine, whatever, and not hear about gay pride. June is Pride Month. It's all over the place. Of course, I work in government, so they, they play it up right to the hilt at the New York State Legislature. But in the major leagues, it's not going over that well in some quarters. And and I think that's a good thing. Baseball is an American sport. It's a, it's a sport I love. It's a thinking man's game. And some, a lot of people are not on board with this homosexual rights agenda. They can say it's, you know, gay pride. They can say it's LGBTQ, whatever you want to call it. They're homosexuals, in, in my view. Maybe it's an overly simplistic view of it, but I mean, it's uh, I'm black or white on some things, and that's one of those things. And at least one player, he's a pitcher, not thrilled with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some of the Buccaneers players decided not to wear the rainbow-colored logos for the team's Pride Night last Saturday. And I think that's a good for them. They're, you know, they're going against, they're bucking the trends, and they should. But Cardinal pitcher Jack Flaherty got on Twitter... After the Rays pitchers, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson refused to wear the Gay Pride logo on their uniforms. They said it was a faith-based decision. And Flaherty tweeted an absolute joke. Now, with a name like Flaherty, I would I would bet 9 to 5 that he's Catholic or was Catholic. But anyway, Adam, who spoke on behalf of the group of five, attempted to justify his decision. What do you mean attempted? Whoever wrote this piece, Jeremy uh, Layton wrote this piece, and evidently Jeremy doesn't agree either. So Adam spoke for the group, and he said, look, it comes down to faith. It's a hard decision, because ultimately, we all said what we want is them to know that we are uh, all welcome and loved here. But when we put that stuff on our bodies, those kinds of messages he's referring to, I think a lot of guys decided it's just a lifestyle that maybe not they look down upon on anybody or think differently. It's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus. Amen, brother. He nailed it. If you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Lord would not love the, he would love them, but he would hate the sin. As I was taught growing up as a Catholic, you hate the sin, but love the sinner. You can't condone this behavior. It is aberrant behavior. And as we've seen, it's not a lifestyle, it's a death style. Homosexuality is an abomination against God and against nature. And Flaherty, he can, I don't know where he's coming from, he's a liberal. It's not okay. Don't accept it. It's not acceptable. Just because the world says it's acceptable, and just because your kids are introduced to this mess in school, if you have kids in the public school, I would yank them out. Hate the sin, love the sinner. It's not being judgmental. It's not looking down at anybody. But these five Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or Tampa Bay Bay Rays, Buccaneers of the football team, they said it's just what we believe. It's a lifestyle. Good for them, not good for us. But they love these men and women. We care about them. We want them to feel safe and welcome here. But we don't agree with their lifestyle. And you don't have to. Who needs to accept it? Anyway, there's so many things I want to get to. I can't spend the entire 15 minutes or 20 minutes on that. I want to get to the gun issue. I mean, how can you not get to it? That's all you hear about. The uh, New York State Legislature at the end of last week, they uh, passed a number of bills which the governor signed into law this week, 
one of these bills, I'll read, I'll go down three or four of them, but one bans anyone under the age of 21 from buying or possessing a semi-automatic rifle. This is happening after, you know, three or four weeks after this 18-year-old nutcase used one of the guns to kill 10 people at a supermarket in Buffalo. So the bill raising the age limit is the most significant part of the package, according to the governor. Other new legislation will restrict civilian purchases of bullet-resistant armor, which was worn by the Buffalo killer, and require new guns to be equipped with micro-stamping technology. That, I guess, can help law enforcement investigators trace the bullets to particular firearms. It's a fantasy. And someday in the near future, we'll go over the micro-stamping uh, bit. Just We'll spend just five or ten minutes on that because it doesn't. it's not going to do what, it, what the proponents claim it's going to do. But these bills pass along party lines in the Senate 4320, in the Assembly 10247. So four guys, four Democrats voted with our guys against these bills because they're in safe districts. They, they could afford to do that. So anyway, the, uh, the governor signed all this mess into law this week. And, you know, they, they focus on it. And I've mentioned this a million times. I hate to be repeating myself, but they focus on the gun, the instrument used in the killing and not the heart of the person holding the weapon. Now, they, there was so much attention paid to the fact this this kid in Buffalo was white and his victims were all black. This guy in New York City who shot up, this back in, I think, late April, shot up a subway train in New York City or in, in Brooklyn, to be uh, exact, Frank James, a black nationalist. So I don't know when he became radicalized exactly, but social media, the, the, the police and the investigators have traced his rants over the past several months. He's 62. This guy's consumed with hatred for white people. Did you hear about him being a racist the way he did the kid in Buffalo? Now, the kid in Buffalo said he's going to go out and he was going to shoot 10 black people, or shoot as many black people as he could. So he obviously is a racist and it was, it was racially motivated, that, that, those killings. This guy, though, they, they, the media said, oh, some 62-year-old guy shot up a, a subway. Well, here's, what he, here's one of his, his uh, tweets on social media. Oh, black Jesus, please kill all the whiteies, according to one post. And he doesn't like Hispanics either, or Asians, or even people in his own race, or of his own race. I mean, he's got long-term mental problems, obviously. 29 victims of this moron. And his victims were not just, you know, they weren't black, they weren't Hispanic. Some were Hispanic, some were black, and some were white. But was his shooting racially motivated? We don't know. But some of his social media posts would suggest the guy's got some issues with white people. But I mean, as you might, you know, his his victims were a multicultural mix, as you would expect. I mean, it was a crowded rush hour subway train. He also, the police also found a hatchet, three ammunition magazines, fireworks, and gasoline. Nobody was killed. It's a miracle. It is a miracle no one was killed. But we don't hear about these attackers who are of color. They are assumed to be just crazy. For instance, here's a, and this is what bugs me about some of the reporting today. Major media, major newspapers are not referring to the attacker's race unless the attacker is white and his victims black or Hispanic. In New York City, some woman accused of biting a 65-year-old man was trying to protect his family on a subway train amid a barrage of anti-Asian remarks. The woman, police said, was riding on this A train, again in Brooklyn, when she was seated across from a family, she began cursing and saying anti-Asian statements, according to police. It's on Fox News. 
As the victims got up to leave, she stood in front of the daughter. According to cops, the girl's father tried to protect the daughter, as any red-blooded American man would. He was bitten on the back by the suspect. Again, the suspect, the woman. Nobody knows her race. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, nobody knows. Because the media won't tell you. So the woman fled. The victim sustained minor injuries. So there's a reward for this. But anyway, crime in New York City's subway has skyrocketed in the first few months of the year. Crime underground is up 58% compared to last year. There's a 42-year-old Asian man filmed being held by one suspect. Again, we don't know his race. And repeatedly assaulted by another suspect at the Fulton Street Station. The assailants, nobody mentions the, the uh, race of the assailants. Anyway, this, it's like a trend. It's a very disturbing trend in media. They won't tell you the victim's, or excuse me, the attacker or the assailant's race for whatever reason. Well, I know the reason. We wouldn't want to be discriminatory or single out any particular race for their misdeeds, would we, or, or their crimes. These people are hardened criminals. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but a majority of the violent crime, rape, robberies, murders, assaults, are committed by blacks in this country in proportion to their numbers. That's a fact, according to the federal crime statistics. So the price of gasoline, as everybody knows, skyrocketing. It's about 470, I think, nationwide. Here in New York State, it's, uh, I forget what the state average is, 499, 497 here in upstate New York. That's including the state suspending its portion of the state sales tax, 16 cents. A couple of local counties have... Uh, opted in. They've also suspended their county sales tax, Saratoga County and Schenectady County, but all the surrounding counties here in the Capital District, they still have their, you know, their sales taxes in place. That would be uh, uh, Rensselaer County, Albany County, of course, Washington County, Warren County, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a community college that's announced plans to move back online for some of its classes for the summer. Now, it's not what you think. It's not about COVID. It's about the, the explosion in the cost of gasoline that Joe Biden has allowed and has perpetuated. He's encouraged it via his policies. The Washington Examiner reports that Southwest Tennessee Community College has announced a plan for virtual Fridays for summer classes, an attempt to alleviate some of the financial burden facing students from the uh, inflated gas prices. Uh, The college announcement said, quote, to lessen the pain at the pump, For students and employees during the summer months, Southwest will move to virtual Fridays, effective May 27th, so it's already in effect, through August 12th. I wish it would do that at the state, because there's very little going on in the state legislature. I work for the Assembly, so I mean, I'm going to have to travel back and forth 35 miles to do very little work. Admittedly, there's, there's some work to be done, but I mean, I think a virtual Fridays sounds good to me. I could do the TV and radio shows via, via Zoom. It can be done. But the state would never allow it because that would be thinking outside the box. And that's not something the state is real good at. Anyway, uh, I could spend 20 minutes talking just about gas prices. And to hear Biden tell it, I mean, and to hear some of these Democrats, it's Putin's war. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's corporate greed, say some. I mean, oh, Sheldon Whitehouse, who's a senator, I think he's from Connecticut, I'm not sure. He accuses the oil industry of collecting excess profit. No, it's the government collecting excess taxes on gasoline. That's, that's part of it. And banning drilling on federal lands and suspending leases, oil leases on, 
on federal lands. That's what's causing the, the increase. Elizabeth Warren has introduced a bill to, to ban price gouging. She's a moron. And the Competitive Enterprise Institute's Ben Lieberman has these fools dead to rights. He says, look, if big oil could raise prices anytime they wanted and get away with it, why didn't they do it in 2018, in 2019, in 2020, when Trump was in office? Companies are always looking to make money. You could call them greedy. I wouldn't say it's greedy. They're, they're in there to make profit. That's why companies are in business, to make profit, not to supply people with jobs. That's a natural, that's a residual. That's not the reason people go into business. They want to make money and lots of it. Greed just didn't begin in 2021 or 22. They were just as greedy, oil companies, back when gas prices fell in 2018 and 2019. Two bucks a gallon under Trump, five bucks a gallon under, under Biden. And, you know, it comes down to cutting back on supplies. That's what's happened. It's not complicated. Prices change because of supply and demand. During COVID, during the pandemic, fewer people were driving to work. So the demand for gasoline dropped, and so did prices for gasoline. And oil drillers did less drilling, and now demand is up because it's summer, people are driving again, and uh, that's that's all it takes. I mean, it, it, that's all there is to it. It's not rocket science. Even Joe Biden can get it, for God's sakes. And, you know, it, it, and Biden did say something that was correct. It takes months for companies to increase production. It doesn't happen overnight or in a week or two. It takes months. And Biden pointed that out recently, and he was right. he's right to point that out. Now, if he could just enact some of these policies that would lower prices, permit drilling on federal lands, you know, but that, you know, you get, you get Pelosi and White House and Warren and some of these Democrats, just uh, they want prices high. They want you not to be able to drive where you want to drive. They want to encourage alternative energy sources. They want electric vehicles. Well, that's fine if you can afford them, but there's no market for them now. As I, I don't want to repeat myself. I know I've talked about this before. We've got to run. I can't believe time's up already, but thank you very much, folks, for spending the last 15 or 17 minutes, however long it's been with me. Uh, don't forget, if you like this program, hit click like, subscribe, and share on social media. You can share us, uh, share the program on Facebook or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we, we're on many different platforms. Check them all out and check out the fine programming we have for you on the BMG Network. We have this program, Pac-Man, with me, Ted Flint. We have the Ken Burns Show. Uh, Adrian Ross is doing a show again. She had a, a couple of uh, health issues, and we're so glad that Adrian is back uh, with her show weekly. I think it's on Tuesdays. And my daughter, Madeline, with The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. Some really fine programming, great broadcasters. And we also do a, a, a column for you at least once a week. I try to do one a week anyway, called the PAC Perspective. And I'm working on one regarding the numbers of school shootings that we're hearing about. It, you know, if you listen to NPR on, on occasion or any, any liberal media organ, they'll say that shootings are on the increase. Uh, NP, I, you know, I, I, I rip NPR, but they recently reported, they looked into the 235 shootings reported by the U.S. Department of Education. And they were able to confirm only 11 shooting, uh, school shootings, NPR. So I, kudos to them for some good reporting. There's so much sloppy reporting out there. You know, the government puts out this stuff. I mean, the Department of Education, 235 shootings. Well, you know, it turns out the schools were added to the list merely because someone at a school heard there may have been a shooting. 
So, I mean, this is the stuff. I mean, good for NPR for some accurate reporting for once. But so we'll do a, a column. We're working on one regarding the school shootings and just how big of a, a threat are they? All right. So that's uh, look forward to that. That's going to be up on the on the BMG network, maybe a day or two. And we hope you, you read the uh, the columns and listen to the programs. And thank you very much for listening to this program. And if the good Lord wills it, we'll talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. <laughs>